Welcome to another episode of the Tough Stuff Podcast. Be sure to like, love, share, or subscribe wherever you may be watching or listening because we believe God wants to bring encouragement and hope through these stories. What's up, guys? Here we are for episode six. Episode six. Episode six. This is it. This is it. Time is flying. I feel like... um, You know, the week goes by so much faster now that we're doing this. It does, for sure. (laughs) I hope you guys are enjoying this. You know, I heard uh, somebody said... I heard that somebody said their their new favorite day of the week is Friday. I have heard that. That is cool. It's very humbling. Very humbling because I don't feel like we're anybody just special doing this. I think we're just in our kitchen. And, but it has been fun. Yeah. It has Just been telling fun. the stories of God and I almost feel like we're sitting around a campfire, you know, like we're just telling. I wish camp- I was sitting around a yeah, campfire right campfire now. Campfire stories. Would be nice. So what did you think of last week's episode? Last week? Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It was good to just to get to reminisce on how much God has done in our marriage. Yes. And, and I guess the best part for me was really you know, even sitting in a meeting today, somebody said, hey, what did y'all talk about this? And showed me like a thumbnail of our podcast. And he said, I didn't listen to it, but I sent it to my uh, (laughs) brother-in-law because they're having marriage issues. And I know it says something about marriage and I figured it was good. And now he was in church this morning for the first time with his wife, you know. So those kind of things, man, it just really encourages me to, you know, to keep doing this thing because it is a little work. It's been a long weekend. It yes. has been a long weekend. Uh, and from yesterday running a 5K to baseball practice with the four-year-old mm-hmm. to riding motorcycles to church, Mission Fest today. And here we are shooting a podcast. Shooting a podcast. But, you know, it's been really fun. It has been. I think it's um, like this new passion project that we have that we get to do together that – is amazing. It fuels me. My favorite part is getting to work with you, babe. Oh, you said getting that last week. That know. was awesome. I'll say it every week. Oh. Well, today on this episode, we thought it would be fitting to kind of continue the conversation of last week, mm-hmm. talking about our marriage, um, and specifically uh, dive into more of your like more recent Mm-hmm. struggles you know we have our pasts and you know what god did in our pasts but yeah. um it's so true that just because god healed you or saved you or redeemed you from a lifestyle in the past does not mm-hmm. mean that all of a sudden you know there's no more struggle in life if anything you know it means there's there's more i think whenever you start to grow in life especially grow in jesus I mean, it literally is picking a fight. You're Mm -hmm. picking a fight. And what she's honestly trying to say about our recent struggles is that 2023 kicked my butt. It was the (laughs) toughest year of my life by far. I thought it was an awesome year. And I've had some tough years. But I mean, even... Yeah, you've been homeless. From homelessness to uh, drug addiction to all of that. I don't know if any of that was honestly as hard as this year was. Last year. Last year was. And here I am. You know, serving God, got an amazing family. Man, I've got the truth tattooed on my heart. Like, I believe it. I know it. Mm. Yet still, I found myself in a place this year that I would have never Mm. imagined. 
I found myself in a, a thought pattern, in a, a place mentally, emotionally, that I never thought would ever be possible. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at the the things that God has done in my life, and you know, I would wish that those things were good enough to never allow me to falter or to keep me strong enough. And it's not like I lost faith. Uh, it just I just found myself in a really, really, really just a, dark a, a place. spiral almost. Yeah. A, a mental spiral. Yeah. But it's just, I, I feel like we don't talk about enough, you know, how just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that your problems go away. Yeah. You know, you're still having to fight um, the fight. You're, we're still having to, you know... Um, work on our mental health and mm-hmm. go to therapists. And and I think sometimes it can be easy to assume that Christianity is a collection of people who are perfect or yeah. their behavior is great. And, and while, you know, obviously spending time with Jesus over the years is going to make a person a better person. Um, But what we've had to realize is that there are still struggles that we walk through today. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it is being a Christian, the good thing about being a Christian is that we have God to depend on. Yeah. So it's like there's a hope. There's hope in the struggle. There's um, we're not alone in it. There's uh, there's his presence with us. And and I think that alone is just a game changer when it comes Mm -hmm. to going through hard things in life, you know? Yeah. For sure. I just, I think we, we live in that Western Christianity, mm. prosperity gospel, you know, everything is going to become peaches and cream, rainbows and unicorns and stuff. I don't know. It's just, everything is going to be perfect. Like you pray more and you'll get more. Or, yeah. And that's really not what God yeah. promises. For sure. Mm. I just, and you know, just, I don't really know where to even start as far as sharing how last year began um Uh, i think you could start could you not start with your back injury i guess that's a good place i think even before then though i've kind of always struggled mental health wise Mm -hmm. i've always kind of gone through ups and downs seasonally or you know the sun plays a huge part in my and you make fun of me but it does if it is not the sun is not out it is like I match the mood when it's overcast. If it is a rainy day, you it is like come and pray for me. Yeah. If it is a rainy just day, just come ask me how I'm doing. I need it. I remember so early in our marriage, it would be like a gloomy day and you would be in, you know, whatever mindset. And I've got in. blood sugar issues. I'm hypoglycemic. <laughs> so there's just multiple factors. I'm just sensitive is what I'm He's really trying to say. very sensitive. But <laughs> I will say when early in our marriage, I used to be like, are you mad at me? Like, did I do something? I'm like, no, I haven't eaten in a little while. He hasn't eaten and well. it's raining outside. And when I don't feel good, when I don't feel good physically... Like energy wise, it really triggers me emotionally. Wow. And I'm sure there's Wonder some why. deeper I'm sure there's some deeper reasoning that I feel like if I'm not contributing, I don't have any value or mm-hmm. I don't have something to offer somebody or whatever that may be. But I've kind of always struggled with some mental health. Always kind of, you know, I'm high highs, low lows. 
I was going to uh, say my favorite weather is is a I love a good rainy day. It's horrible. Take a nap. I think watch I may go back to skateboarding. Skateboarding <laughs> was such a big part of my life. When it rained outside, you couldn't skate, oh, so we would sense. just like be sad. Now the rain is not my favorite, but I you know I don't mind a good rainy day every it. now and then. I hate it. <laughs> I like the sun, but I like I think about really a lot of my mental health stuff really stemmed. I've always kind of struggled with a religious OCD mm. as far as perfectionism, uh, trying to always uh, make sure I'm pleasing God with my behavior, a little religion. You know, I think that maybe came from such a, a bad past or it mm. may come from, you know, I've wondered at times it was just from the way that I was disciplined. You know, my mama didn't play. <laughs> and whenever I knew I did something wrong, I was scared. <laughs> she put the fear of the Lord in me. But I think about it, even in our marriage, you know, I went through seasons of like any time that I would even do anything wrong. I felt like in James 5, 16, you know, it says confess your sins to your brother and you will be healed. I think that's a huge, powerful, amazing verse. I believe a lot of people walk around forgiven, but they're broken because mm. there is a power in confession. That's where Catholics get that whole practice from. But I took that to another religious OCD level mm. of every time I confess, every time I sin, now I need to confess to my wife. Mm -hmm. And it became so ridiculous and absurd, which was not good talking about where our marriage came from. No. It was like, I saw a girl in the mall wearing this, and I'm sorry that I saw her, babe. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it even came to a point, I remember one time scrolling through Instagram, and I thought I saw a woman in a swimsuit, and I could not sleep. I felt like I had to conf confess to you. And then I went back, and it was like a lamp. I didn't even <laughs> see something. But it's just like this religious OCD deal. And then obviously- Do you think any of it was you, like- holding on to your salvation, like, okay, you know, I'm scared that I'll go back to a lifestyle of drugs or, you know, whatever. Or do you think it was something else? I think it's more so not growing up with a dad. You know, every kid wants to make their dad proud. And I never, and this is me psychoanalyzing myself on the spot. I never really had this thought before. Live but, on the podcast. <laughs> I think I never really had a dad to make proud. And then I met Jesus. And I remember like, I remember the first time I asked you out on a date, I pulled over into Winn-Dixie parking lot and I just had a conversation with God as if like a kid that was having a conversation with his dad for the first time going on a date. Like, hey, I need you to help me, show me how to do this thing. I just want to treat her like you want me to treat her and like a man treats a woman. So I think, man, me stirring that relationship with God, I think it's probably like I'm just overly exuberant to want to please and make mm. God proud. But so much that it it affects you. It's it's almost negative. Yeah. Like it's you remember, too much. Mm -hmm. You remember when we were living uh, with Brandy and, Lam Brandy and Jared Lambert, and I remember just one conversation. Mm -hmm. I was like, we had just been freshly married, and I was like, you know, God hadn't spoken to me in like two days, and I'm just like, I think he's mad at me, I'm upset with me, or... And we started talking about kind of my pattern with God. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I just don't think it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be way more chill than that. Yeah, I'm like, I just kind of like feel like I hang out with God all day. Like, I, what do you mean he hasn't talked to you in two days? <laughs> I just, and I think part of that too is the addict in me. You know, you want to have these grand feelings, you know. You're looking always for the burning back. bush every day. Oh yeah, I always have to go back and remind myself, you know, that this isn't about feelings. Just like marriage isn't mm. about feelings. Feelings come and go, 
but faith and commitment and those things are things that take work and mm. trust, you know? So I started with the whole religious OCD thing. And then from there, I guess they did, uh, at one point I did ended up going, getting put on medication for that because mm. it just became such a, a dark place for me. I felt so low. Well, you started, you started connecting, you know, maybe, you know, this is what was going on with my body that drew me into like a lifestyle of addiction, or maybe this mm -hmm. is what you started to like sense different things in your mind yeah. or in your body that, um, you were wondering if they played a part in your addiction. Yeah. And then, you know, here I am, uh, probably, I guess at that point, 10 years out, 10 years clean, and I was training in CrossFit like I was going to go pro. I, I don't know <laughs> what you, it was. If you were ever at the gym, whenever we... <laughs> Shout out Live Fit. Those were some good days. Some good days. But you were, you were like, yeah, I don't know. I would come home and like stretch for an hour every day. <laughs> I would be like training twice a day. Weighing all my food. Like, I don't know if I thought I was going to like really, but I just wanted to be the best at what and I was. And I don't know if any of you understand how different we are. <laughs> um, Allison would just like drop in every couple of weeks and be like, you know, I feel like we I could go today. Let's do it. Like, let me just say it this way. I went to the doctor the other day to get like full blood work. And she was like, so tell me like, how's your diet? And I go, let me just say, I like to have fun. It's king cake season right now. This was when it was king cake season. And I want to eat king cake when I want to eat king cake. And so I was like. This is the woman that brought home two king cakes the other day. I did. Day. I just. She I, likes to have fun, y'all. I just wanted to have fun. So we're very different. It's we funny. are. We are. But then here I am, you know, CrossFit. And, you know, I, I once again, I'm redeeming. I didn't get to compete in high school. I never. A lot of my life is me trying to make up. I didn't compete in high school. I was on drugs, you know, couldn't pass a drug test to play football, basketball, any of that. And I had an opportunity to really get to compete with people and CrossFit, and I loved it, and I just love beating people. I love being on the top of the whiteboard. You know what you just reminded me of? That, that one time you ran a 5K for the first time? And I led everybody the wrong way. Which five? No, that was another time. You did lead everybody the wrong way, and they were so mad at you. Remember they that? They were. People no, traveled. I'm talking and I about led everyone the wrong way. Yes, I'm talking about in on the North Shore. You, I remember being so excited about you running your first 5K. Is this the Trafficking Hope 5K? I don't remember. Yeah. But you, the gun went off, and you literally like sprinted it's a race i don't know anything it's a I race know. so the point is to be in first place yeah but you like you have to pace yourself but i just always think that's so funny is like you're the way you're wired is you are all or nothing like it is like if i'm gonna run this race i'm gonna sprint for 3.1 miles yeah it's a race i got second or third place <laughs> yeah, i then, did well but then you were like dying doubled over throwing up on the side but, nobody... but it doesn't matter what you do after. It's all about how you come in. <laughs> now, the race where I did lead everybody the wrong way and then got sick from the ice cream I ate at midnight the night before and didn't even finish. I don't know if I did. That was a different story. You're just, you're very, you're not, but the funny thing is you're not even competitive. I, I'm not. I mean, I guess you are. I like to, 
I'm not competitive. There's just things I like to push myself. We're going on. I like a, to see what I'm able to do. We are taking a tangent. But it's like kind of fun. I I think about the other day when you told me we were going to run the 5K at, at Healing Place, mm-hmm. and I said, no. You, I don't know what, how you, you were preparing differently for this race <laughs> than I was. And, and not that you're wrong. I was like, man, it's a beautiful day. Like the sun is out. There are no clouds. I am running to just feel the sun and the wind and just enjoy the, the mood. And you, what did you say? I don't know. You said, time. you said, uh, I'll rest when I'm dead or something. Or you said something like that. And I was like, no, you said, uh, I'll have joy when I get to heaven. And I said, I'll enjoy a run or something. I said, well, Jesus said I could have heaven right here on earth and I'm going to go and I'm going (laughs) to. I like pain. I like to push myself. That's so weird. I like to see. Isn't this what we talked about in our marriage episode last week of yeah. how we're different? You just yeah. got to accept me. It's, Stop trying to put me in a box, girl. Yeah, you're right. I will hold that to you forever. Yeah. <laughs> I said it. No, it's just, so here I am, CrossFit, I'm loving it, you know, and uh, and Spencer and them got this 100-pound kettlebell in, you know, so I had to see what I could do with it. And, you know, I, I'm not good at math, so <laughs> I set a goal, and typically my goal is 100 so I went for 100 swings and a 100-pound kettlebell, and I was probably about 10 to 12 swings in. I felt almost like my back felt like a tube of toothpaste, <laughs> like, and I just kept on swinging. Because usually, like in CrossFit... It popped. Yeah. And that and was number 10. I just kept swap. I just kept swinging. And, you know, the next day, I think it was the next day, we had a staff Christmas party, and I just couldn't even walk. I couldn't walk. So here I am, and eventually... And again, I like to have fun. I was so ready to get to that Christmas party. Remember that? <laughs> I had to try to give me an award. I had. I couldn't get up to walk to it. <laughs> and, you know, I don't remember how it all went down, but eventually I get an MRI, and I herniated my disc in two different places. And they immediately looked at it and realized, no, that's what it was. That first MRI I got, I was in so much pain that it wasn't a clear shot. Mm. But they could tell that it was herniated. And they prescribed me pain medicine and all this stuff. And it was just this pain I couldn't imagine shooting down my leg. And I guess this is probably three years now. And here I am on pain medicine to even be able to get up and walk and... Needless to say, this is funny, too. Our first child, if you know, uh, I separated my shoulder the day before he was supposed to be born snowboarding in Arizona. Our second child, to give you this timeline, because it was two years ago, uh, it was, was it the week? Well, this is, I had surgery. All right, so I'm, I'm skipping ahead. All I know is I was 37 weeks pregnant, yeah. sleeping on your hospital couch and then one week later Sayla was born and you were sleeping on my hospital couch so every time we have a kid I get hurt I don't know if that's uh it's weird man I don't know if that's like a I don't know what it is I don't know maybe I'm trying to get attention you know I'm just maybe I'm just missing your attention babe what but I feel like I give you great attention (laughs) you do you do uh so here I am they put me on pain medicine then finally, they end up getting a good MRI. They realize I'm herniated in two different places. And eventually, I go to have surgery. 
have my surgery a week before you're supposed to have the baby. All goes well. Well, I continue to be on pain medicine. I'm kind of fast forwarding here, but this is, I was on pain medicine for about six months Mm -hmm. of steady. The only way I could get up and walk, the only way I could move was pain medication. And at this point, you know, you're kind of like ambiguous, kind of oblivious to it. But at the same time, you're all kind of asking me Mm -hmm. and you don't really know how stuck you are until you try to get unstuck. Yeah. Now, I was sharing that the other day. I was like at uh, men's night, you know, everybody talks about how weed isn't addictive. Well, stop. And then you'll find out if it is or not. Mm. And I didn't realize I was addicted to this medicine until I tried to stop, you know, and when Mm. I stopped, it was like. It just became such a, a pool, man. And here I am, you know, a pastor. Uh, I'm, you know, honestly, I even told so many people, you know, I've shot heroin back in my past and never really got hooked on it. I felt like I couldn't get hooked on opiates, and all of my friends did. Most of them are dead or whatever because of it. But I thought this was like, you know, and here I was, a pastor now with two kids stuck on pain medicine to the point where. I mean, if I don't take it, I'm not in a good place. And from there, you know, my mental health kind of spiraled. And they ended up putting me on another medication to try to help me get off of the pain medication. And it kind of spiraled from there. And it wasn't like it was all doom and gloom from there. It was some ups and some downs. And, you know, I also have kind of this obsession of trying to I told you, if I don't feel good, I get low. So I always want to feel good. I've been trying to find the perfect formula to feel good. And have you found it? I kind of think I might have it now. I am eating nothing but meat since the beginning (laughs) of this year. A little blueberries, a little stuff here. Got some butter in my coffee. And my cholesterol is probably through the roof, but I feel great. Uh, Man, I don't know how good that is. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, I've always been kind of on this quest and, you know, I kind of struggled at uh, that. Do you think that's connected to, you know, so like when you're addicted to drugs, you know, you're searching for this like high. Why are you laughing? Because I'm just listening, babe. Like you're you're on that pursuit of searching for like the most high state, um, like euphoria, like, do you think, do you think there's something in you that, that is wired and it could be like, you know, you, you, you're just at heart or not at heart, but your body is an addict. Like you. I'm set free girl. I mean, no, I'm you know joking. what I mean? You know what I, mean? I think, I don't know if it's that. I think Mark, maybe partly that, but like. I like to feel great because when I feel great, I feel like I'm able to be a great husband. I feel like I'm great with the kids. But you don't feel like you're a great husband. I'm a great pastor. If you don't feel good. No. I don't feel like getting up and like showing you love and doing grand gestures and cartwheels. No. That's really sad. Yeah, it is. But here I am. You know, I want to feel good. And, you know, I want to be a good pastor. And I guess, you know, I, I always struggled with uh, having bad days. I don't like having bad days. And... I guess it is because partly, you know, we live in a world where we're consuming 
we are comparing our bloopers to everyone else's highlight reels. Mm. Like people aren't sharing about their bad days. Mm. So how do I know they're having a bad days? I think everybody's just killing it every day mm. in the office. Yeah. And here I am as a pastor. I got a day I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm hoping nobody wants to call. You know what I'm saying? And I just really, I don't know, it goes back to my value, I guess, and get down on that. So, you know, I start trying different things. I'm going to therapy, obviously. Uh, you know, they put me on medication. And then I guess it really fast forwards to the next big drop was I started, they eventually they thought maybe he's ADHD. Maybe you're ADHD. What do you mean maybe? Oh, maybe you need to be on ADHD <laughs> medication. <laughs> And here I am now. They put me on ADHD medication, and I feel great. But it was kind of like this process of, okay, I mean, from my perspective. Some of it was obsession. It wasn't healthy. Yeah, I always wanted to be the epitome. You, I want to be Chris Traeger. I want to <laughs> feel good all the time. I want to be the guy, you know? But I'm saying from, you know, the back surgery, you know, that threw you into like this... Um, spiral of like you were you know you you needed that medication then you were trying to get off of it because you realized it was mm -hmm. not good for you then you started sorting through like your ADHD and all this stuff there was also some major transitions that I look back at yeah. you know one of my uh, favorite people in the world one of my best friends was my boss at that time and I worked with two of my best friends and, you know, that community meant a lot to me. And then there were so many transitions at work. I lost that all in that same season. As well as, you know, with my back going down, I lost the community that I had in CrossFit. Yeah. So I really just struggled trying to find really my footing. You were kind of isolated. I kind of struggled trying to find my footing again mm -hmm. after back surgery. You know, I'm sure there's some shame and stuff connected to the medication and whatnot. So they put me on this ADHD medicine. And I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm feeling good. And, you know, they find me on one that has this 16-hour window. And I loved it until one day I woke up with a headache that just would not go away. And I don't have headaches. If you know me, you know, I had a lot of brain trauma in my past, like fifth, sixth grade, multiple concussions. And, like, I haven't had a headache since fifth grade. And then all of a sudden I've got this splitting headache that will not go away that will not stop. It's keeping me up for days. They try me on these different medications for headaches. Nothing's touching it. I'm ending up in, I went to two different hospitals, I believe, two ERs. And then eventually I ended up in this one ER where they really looked down and they thought it may have been some serotonin syndrome. That I was just getting too much serotonin. And then from there, they decide, hey, we need to look at your medications that you're on. And at that point, I was pretty medicated. <laughs> and they said, hey, we need you to stop taking X, Y, and Z. Mm. And one of those medications being the one that I started taking right after my back surgery. And then from there, I just, I, I didn't notice it at that point, but that is when I began to spiral. Yes. So like, and I, I don't know how it first started. I think honestly, it for, well, no, it did first start. It first started with me waking up having panic attacks. Mm. I would wake up and my heart would be racing. I'd be throwing up first thing in the morning. Mm. And I was like, something is not right here. Ended up going to the doctors again. 
And at this point, they're trying new medications. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And it's one of those things, too, where, like, no doctor ever cares as much as you care. Mm -hmm. So, like. Especially you. Yeah. And it's hard (laughs) enough to even get into the doctor. You know, you're like, they're like, oh, come see me in three weeks. I'm like, three weeks? Like, I'm in hell right now. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing up every morning. I don't feel good. And you want me to wait three weeks to see if Mm -hmm. this works? And they're throwing these different medications at me, and I'm trying one after another. And eventually they were like, maybe he's bipolar. So let's try this bipolar medication. Mm. So they tried that, and it was horrible. Yeah, at one point, I mean, you, how many medications were you on? Because I remember you trying to navigate this, and you would go to the doctor. And, you know, it got to the point where you would get put on a medicine, then it would affect you in some type of way. Then they would try to diagnose you with something else that was related but different. Mm. And then it kept going. But then it's like it you went down a rabbit hole and you were not, like, t- getting off of any of the medicines. Yeah. Like, you were adding and adding and adding yeah. and adding. And I guess it went from the panic attacks from there to trying these other medications. And then I just remember becoming very, very, like, almost insecure. Like, man, one of my best friends that I work with, he, uh, you know, he's a great guy. I like, man, I love him. I've helped, you know, speak into his life. I push for him to join our team. And I love this guy with all my heart. And here I find myself becoming almost insecure, envious of him and Almost to the point where, like, I had, like, almost a grudge of jealousy in my heart. We talked about it and had lunch and cried our eyes out the other day. But, like, I just found that. And then here I am about to preach. And I'm just, like, my mind's about to blow up because I'm so insecure. And I'm so, like, just in my head, anxious, panic attacks, Mm. you know. Like, having to go run, take medicine before I get to be on stage. And everything is, like, I remember coming off of stage one night and I spoke and literally I don't think I preached that night. All I did was MC. All I did was, you know, welcomed everybody and all that. And I think I misspoke one word. And I remember getting home that night and all I could hear in my mind was that one word, mm. you know, and uh, somebody else preached. It was an amazing night. Guys gave their life to Jesus. Guys found freedom, all this stuff. But all I could focus on was that one word of, that I messed up. Mm. And it just drove me into this pit And then it just was a slow decline from there to eventually I just got to this place where it was like everything was dark all day, every day. And it was like I was in it was so dark emotionally that it hurt physically. Mm. It hurt physically to live. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like I I mean, here I am a pastor and I'm like, what is going on with Mm -hmm. me? And I'm trying to tell these doctors something is not right. Something is not right. And you're like, you're, you know, you're obsessive. So you're trying to get out of it. So it's almost like I see you like running up a mudslide hill trying mm. to get get it back to the top of where you were. That is what it felt. I just wanted to feel joy again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to feel happiness about life again. And I just think of God's timing. Like this is... Right after we finally got our marriage to a healthy place. Which, praise God, God. I know. Like it's Because I was doing great. <laughs> you were. I mean, I am a, I tend to be an anxious person, um, and I have my share of struggles, but we had just really got a hold really of our marriage in. and, you know, how to do it r- the right mm. way. And I think that 
you know, God let us do that. I think uh, that's the beautiful thing about marriage is like, mm-hmm. you're my helpmate. You know, when you were down, God used me to help you. Mm-hmm. And then once you were on your feet, I got my feet knocked off. Yeah, <laughs> So did. like, and I just remember, man, specifically one day that I had to go pick up Elijah. And all I had to do was go pick up my four-year-old from one school, wait 30 minutes with him and bring him to another school. And for some reason, it just hurt so bad, like mentally, emotionally. I felt almost like rage coming up. And I don't know, he wasn't like he was doing anything that any four-year-old doesn't do, or three-year-old at that time. It was just like, I, I don't know if I did text you, but I was like, I just, I can't, it's not safe for me to even be around my son right now. And then in the midst of all this, I don't feel like anybody really understands. Remember, I was crying every day. You were. And I hadn't Which cried. Which is not. I don't cry. That is not you. I cry. I hadn't cried in like years. <laughs> I'm a crier. So I start crying and we're all of a sudden thinking like, oh, therapy's working. You're really getting in touch with your emotions again. And then I just never stopped crying. <laughs> I don't think everybody really noticed that something was really wrong until I started to show up to work and just and cry. And people would be like, what is going on? I went to birthday. I went to a birthday, my birthday lunch with a couple of my friends and I just cried the whole time. <laughs> and they were like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. And then in the midst of all this, I remember sitting at a prayer breakfast with some guys one day and I'm just crying to them, asking them to you know, to pray for me. I don't know if I need deliverance. I don't need if I just need more therapy or what's going on. I just had no hope. You know, we tried all these different medications. I'm in counseling. I'm having people pray over me. And you're somebody that has been delivered from a lifestyle of addiction. You've seen the hand of God. You've seen the power of God. You've seen God do miracles over and over and over. And still, like you found yourself stuck. And some of that created even more shame because you don't hear people talk about getting in these places or openly sharing when they are in these places, especially not people in ministry. Mm -hmm. So here I am thought I was extra stuck. You know, I'm stuck like Chuck because nobody else has these issues. Nobody else struggles like this. It's just me. Nobody can even know which way to point me Mm -hmm. because they've never been in this place. Maybe it's finally that all the drugs that I've taken have caught up to me and my brain's going crazy. Maybe it's all of the concussions I've had. I've got a cyst on my brain. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> and I went and got it you know, MRI'd and you're just trying to figure out what it might be. You're and taking just, us down to your rabbit hole <laughs> of, of your obsession. I saw no hope. Mm. I saw no hope. And then in the midst of this, here I am at lunch with a group of guys. They're praying over me and I get this phone call. And the phone call basically asked, hey, are you Chris Pamelia? And I said, yes. And they said, do you know Steve Pamelia, which is my dad? You know, I hadn't, my dad was not in my life growing up, never been really a part of my life. I've probably seen him, I don't know, 10, 15 times over the years, a lot of lies, whatever, alcoholism. Some of you guys know that story. Maybe that's another podcast. But all of a sudden, this hospital calls and they're like, hey, we've got your dad in custody He was in a fight. We found him in an alley, badly beat up. He's been in the hospital for four months now with no next of kin. The lady Googled my last name and found videos of me on YouTube preaching and somehow found my number. That's how you know people can find your number on the Internet. That's scary. (laughs) But she calls me and, you know, I've got a lot of 
bad feeling. I've dealt with some forgiveness stuff with my dad, but typically I'll be like, all right, that's not really my problem. But I was in such a low place. I'm just see how God uses this. Mm-hmm. I was in a, such a low place where I felt so isolated. In that moment, I remember feeling just like my dad, beat up in an alley all alone, wow. even though it wasn't the truth. That's where I was emotionally. That's where mm-hmm. I was mentally. So I entertained the phone call. And I remember they. I said, all right, well, I guess I'll go see him. And here I am like, ready to like my life is not in a good place at all i don't have anything to really offer but i'm like i guess i'm supposed to go see him i prayed about it felt like god was telling me to go to it in the meantime you also in this dark time you have a transition in work mm-hmm. or i'm like god i don't know what that means you transition <laughs> to a place where you're not even getting a salary up front mm-hmm. and i was just like i remember being like step of faith i remember like god i can't even pray about this because i can't even see Fight my way out of a wet paper bag. I'm just trusting you, please. Uh, I had to obey God. So you did. I'm happy you did. I love it. So I am driving to New Orleans to see my dad, who uh, my dad's got wet brain. Uh, He's got, I wish I knew the smart people were, the full word, because it sounds really cool when you say it. It makes me sound Mm -hmm. smart. You sound like Zach. He's got wet brain, which basically means he is drinking himself mentally incapacitated. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? I guess. All right. So he's just really not there. He'll tell he's homeless, but he'll tell me that he's going to buy us an island for our mm-hmm. wedding gift. You remember that? And he looks and he believes normal. It. And he believes it. So I'm going down there and I'm thinking about where he's at mentally, thinking about where I'm at mentally. And I remember I could hear it clear as day, you know, almost like when people say they hear God clearly. I heard Satan clearly. Mm. I could hear it clear as day, almost like a countdown timer. Counting to mm-hmm. my demise. Mm-hmm. I remember being in so much emotional pain on that trip. I probably was not even safe for me to be by myself. And I think that was the first time where I really got to a place where I was suicidal. Like mm-hmm. I was in so much pain. I just wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do whatever it took to get out of this place. And I just remember hearing that countdown and thinking that, well, this is it. You know, whatever my dad has. Maybe it didn't just from alcohol. Maybe it's hereditary, and now I'm losing my mind, losing my brain, and all these dreams and hopes of of having a family and ministry, all those things, I just, they did not seem possible. Mm. And it wasn't like, you know, a lot of people are like, can a Christian ever be suicidal? I don't think I ever lost faith in God. I lost faith in God for me. You know, I felt like I was in such a stuck place. I think about the story of the disciples in this. just got tired. I think about the disciples in the boat. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that, you know, God, Jesus got up and was like, oh, you have little faith. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was that they didn't believe that God could stop the storms. They didn't believe that Jesus would stop the storms for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and here I was. I just didn't believe that God. I knew that he loved everybody. And I've always struggled with his love for me, uh, trying to compete and trying to perform for it. And I was like, I didn't know where I went wrong, you know, maybe I just messed up and he's just done with me. He just got to like such a bad place to where I really was just thinking about how I could get out. And, you know, it continued for a few weeks until eventually I ended up uh, meeting up with one of our pastors and just cried my eyes out again. I think it may have been the first time that he saw me really crying. (laughs) And he was like, there is something wrong. (laughs) Because you're like, 
You're like a rough and tough dude. I like to be happy. Like you don't give yeah, I emotional. Don't, yeah, I don't like people to see weakness or whatnot mm-hmm. unless uh and if I do if I do have a weakness, I wanna weaponize it. I wanna preach about it to use put purpose to it. I never just wanna be weak to be weak, you know. <laughs> That's why I love this podcast. We get to yeah, use you're, it. You're you know? airing all your weak spots. <laughs> hey, if it makes me look bad, it makes God look good. That's what it's all about. Uh so, man, they put this plan together and they're like, hey, we're going to ship you off to this crisis place. I'm just so thankful for our church. So thankful for having community. And they didn't say ship you off. No, they didn't say ship me <laughs> off. That sounded weird. I'm so thankful for to have the community around me that I could go to in that season. Yeah. And, I, you know, you're like, oh, he's on staff there. But they would do the same thing for anybody that's on staff. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to have those people in your life. And you don't build infrastructure when you're in the storm. You build it beforehand so that when the storm comes, you're ready, Mm -hmm. you know. And they took care of me. It just blows my mind the amount of money. You know, we're in this recession or inflation, whatever you want to call it. You're having a mental breakdown. I'm having a mental breakdown. And they decide to invest a lot of finances into me in the middle of this. And even that, I wanted to take it and believe that they loved me. But I was in such a place, I didn't believe anybody loved me. Mm. You know, even, I guess I believed you loved me because you were still there. You know, <laughs> and then God gave me a time, you know, to really understand you get to help me and be there for me. But I didn't believe anybody at the church loved me. I didn't believe they had any worth or value in me. I just felt stuck. So they sent me to Colorado. And honestly, right before we went to Colorado, I felt like God had spoken to me about, you know, hey, they took you off of this medication. And I felt like I just kept hearing the same word in the back of my head, and it was the name of this medication. So I called my psychiatrist, and she's like, yeah, we didn't try that. Let's try it. So we tried that. Then we get to Colorado, and here I am. We get to Colorado. We got our kids squared away, and they're like, hey, you're going to do counseling. Three hours of counseling every single day, talk therapy, then probably like another two to three hours of homework every single mm-hmm. day. And we get to Colorado, and I just keep telling them over and over again, I don't believe God loves me. Mm-hmm. I, don't believe he, I don't believe he can love me. I don't believe his grace is good enough for me. And I'm smart enough, Bible smart, to be uh, bad for myself because every time they tell me a verse, I would... Bring other, some other caveat verse along and say, but this verse says this, this, and this, and I haven't been doing that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I struggle with the back thing and the pain medicine. Maybe I re- messed up so bad, you know, or whatever it might be. And I remember you, we got there, and here we are for me. I am, like, suicidal at and this I'm point. And I'm living my best life. I'm having a great season, like— God had just freed me in a lot of ways. Of so much. And so... She was taking care of me, though. It wasn't like she was out just no, partying no. and riding rainbows while no, I'm saying, but mentally I'm you were in such a good place. I was in a good yeah. place. So, you know. And we get there, and I remember us checking in the whole time. You're like, uh, you told them, like, we're coming here for you, right? And I was like, well, yeah. Well, because let me say, I feel like it, I have done a lot of work for the last 10 years yeah, in our marriage. Right. And I almost was insecure because I was like, I have been working. 
Because you I, knew that you'd been the problem at points. I was, I like, I was like, I've been the problem, and right now I'm not the problem. <laughs> you are the problem. She's like, what are you telling them about me? <laughs> but we get there, and they they give me a binder with my name on it, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, like, I just didn't. Think I was gonna be a part of it. Didn't think you were gonna get a binder with your name on yeah, it. Yeah, and so it ended up becoming like this really taxing thing for me, where we would sit in like marriage counseling for three hours a day and bicker about and really dredging up a lot of stuff that we'd already conquered. But I started to us. feel like you were like good with that because you were like. As long as we're not, you, it seemed like you were like, well, we're not talking about, you know, my <laughs> stuff. And so finally I was like, I am not, <laughs> this is not for me. We're here because of you. And just, it's amazing, you know, what that organization did to help you. Oh yeah, for um, sure. Just unravel mm-hmm. a lot of your mental health Crossroads, and your Colorado. spiritual health. It was like a life crisis center, biblical mm-hmm center christian place but it was so much i mean we walked through everything and you know i began to feel little glimpses of hope here and there but i would still wake up severely severely depressed i didn't have really any will to live and then i remember then began to talk about you know we're in colorado and i want to enjoy this thing but i'm like i i'm not enjoying anything i don't feel good Eventually they did. I remember, well, I guess this was first. No, there was one day where I started to feel like this glimpse of thing. We went and they made me go ride horses in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. They're trying to just teach me leisure and uh, being bored. They're like, you need to learn how to be bored mm-hmm. just because Which you're not doing not anything. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And it was the first day that I woke up and kind of didn't feel like killing myself. I didn't feel like there, I felt like there was a little glimpse of hope, something to live for. And then I remember one specific day that really changed everything for me. You know, I remember them telling me, hey, you need to go home. And this is also like well, part of our marriage is I've always struggled uh, ups- with being scared to upset you. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that's always upset you even more. Backfires. <laughs> but they would like tell me, hey, you need to go home. And I go to three hours of therapy. Allison's sitting at the Airbnb or wherever at. You need to go home and you need to go on a hike by yourself. Just you and God. And then I get home and you'd be like. Hey, I've just been here all day. I'm so excited to go to X, Y, and Z. And I'd be like, all right, let's go. And I wouldn't say anything about the homework. But finally this day, I was like, I need to go be by myself. I need to go just walk with Jesus. And I was with it. I yeah, was like, oh, it was never like you, you were to. trying me to. Uh, so then I remember being like, all right, well, I'm going to walk out of this house. And I'm going to walk up to the top of this mountain. And I'm going to have a moment with Jesus right there. And I remember walking out of the house. And this is going to be kind of humiliating as a pastor for multiple years at this point. But I remember it was like the first time that I approached Jesus as if I was approaching somebody else. And I remember the like very first sentence. Like as if he was sentence, right there with you. The first sentence, it was no these, thou's, holy God, father, father, father. It was none of that. It was just, I remember saying, God, I don't know why I've never talked to you like this. And when I said that, something inside of me broke. Mm. And here I am, thought I was going to get to the top of this mountain, have this amazing experience with God sitting on a rock with the sun setting. I'm like walking out of 
through our, this neighborhood we're in, like weeping, walking by the skate park. These kids are skating. Did it rain? Not yet. Oh, so okay. I'm walking to the mountain. And at this point, I'm like having this full on conversation with God as if he was sitting right next to me. There was no these, no thou's, no none of this. It was just like, man, God, you have really saved my butt. You have really got me through some stuff. And I just began to, because I remember talking to the therapist and I was telling her, you know, I've done all these horrible things in my life. You know, I have ruined people's lives, man. I have dated a girl before that I, she ended up in the psych ward, lost custody of her kids. I took all the money out of her bank account. I was kind of like a, a con man at that time. And she was like, don't you ever feel bad about this stuff? Do you have guilt about this stuff? And for me, it was almost like, no, it's behind. It's under the blood. You know, it's mm. my past. Jesus saved me. Mm. But for the first time in my life, I began to even like really connect those things again and felt like grief for the pain that I'd caused in the kingdom of God, that I'd caused into this world. And I'm like, God, I was an idiot. Mm. And you loved me and you sought after me. And we're just having this conversation and I remember getting down, because you told me I need to go down to the uh, river. Mm-hmm. So I go down to this river where you're telling me to go to. And there's like these girls undressing to get into the river. And I'm like, all right, I go in there. And we're like, God, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look, God. And it was like we were still talking right there. And so I go up, start hiking up this mountain. And then it begins to rain. And at this point, I'm having like such a clear conversation with God that I just kept talking. I was like, God, do I keep going? Do you want me to stop? And I just remember him feeling like, hey, just keep going. And I remember coming to a fork in the road and I was like, God, should I go left or should I go right? And I thought it was going to be like that cool. And I didn't hear anything. So I just went one path. But I knew that there was like these covering places that you could get to. So I was like, well, let me get to one of these. And then, you know, I let it rain. And eventually I came to this huge boulder and it was almost like a cave. And it began to rain so hard that I was like, let me just... Let me just get under here for a second and hide from the rain. And meanwhile, people are like running from the rain. All these people that have been hiking on the mountain, they're taking off. They're getting drenched. It starts pouring. And I remember being under this mountain. And a lot of the work that we've been talking about in therapy was just talking about being my authentic self. Mm. You know, I'm insecure. I have insecurity. So I try to project, you know, being the best at CrossFit, dressing the cleanest, mm. you know, uh, being the best at preaching, whatever it may be, so people that would accept me. And they're like, you know, nobody really gets to love you because nobody gets to see the real you. Oh, wow. They get to see what you project. Wow. You know, you're wearing this armor, you know, and you feel like you've got to be perfect in order to gain things, even people's love. So I'm under this mountain. It's raining. I'm in this cave. And then I'm like almost loving it. You know, I'm just sitting here with God, talking to God. And then... All of a sudden, the rain starts to really pour and it starts to the water begins to start to kind of come underneath this cave that I'm sitting in. And I began to go from getting like sprinkled on to like getting drenched because it's like running under and just dropping on me huge things. And I'm pulling my legs up and eventually I end up in like the fetal position, just trying to stay dry. Mm. And I'm still getting wet. And I felt like God spoke clear to me, said, this is how you've been living your life. Oh, wow. Balled up. You know, in such a small space. And I remember getting to a place where I both, one, I had to get out or I was going to get really, really soaked. Mm. And two, I felt like God told me, I need you to get up and get out. Mm. And I remember I got out from underneath that cave. And I kid you not, when I got out 
it stopped raining like immediately. Wow. Like it just stopped raining. And it was like I could see the sun. And I remember it was almost like, I guess the word, you know, all throughout the Bible says the blind can see. And that kind of happens when you get saved. You begin to see scripture clearly. But it was like, once again, the blind could see. And I just looked down at this river. And I'm like, God, you make this river run. I look in the sky. The sun's coming out. I'm like, you put this in there. You make it rain. You have the power to make it stop rain. And I remember him telling me, like, I don't want you to live in this little space balled up. Mm. And I don't know if that was just necessarily about, you know, how I contain his love and try to perform for it. Or I'm starting to wonder even now if that's what this podcast is about. I've lived in such a small window of life of what I feel like my purpose is. Mm. And now he's calling me out to wide open spaces. But I remember just being such a powerful moment. And I was like just overwhelmed. And eventually it did start raining again. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like there was like perfect sunshine after. <laughs> Clear sky. But like five minutes later, it started raining again. And by that time, I was underneath a covering. And I just sat there with God. I remember him just edifying Almost me. like he was your friend right there. And it, Yeah. And it was like I could hear his voice clearly, not saying I'm the God of love, but I'm the God who loves you. Mm. And I'm proud of you. You know, and I had so many things, just conversations. And he started to really just like affirm me like a, a dad does a son. Mm. You know, and I, I remember like, it's just hard to even describe. This what was happened. like a wild, a wild day. I, I like just, I had such a real encounter with God. I was like, did I just encounter God for the first time for real? Like, <laughs> you, you came home to the Airbnb and you were like, I don't know if you remember how like ecstatic you were, but you came in the door and you go, I talked to God. I like. I hung. I hung out with God. It was such a real encounter. And then this for was me. me. Haven't like. So what have you been doing? <laughs> it was such a real encounter for me that I like didn't know how to move forward in life. Mm. Like it was so real that I was like, I just want to sell or give away everything I own and just like do whatever he wants. It was like getting saved all over again. It was mm. like I discovered his love. I rethought about every single thing. I was like, I never want to cut another person off in traffic again. <laughs> I never want to do anything wrong again because that was so amazing. Yeah. You know, and that's just such a picture of, you know, the works come after. The works come out of the love, mm. you know. And it was like I was refreshed almost to the point mm. where I was like, I don't even know how to engage with people anymore because I have not been treating them as good as I should be treating them. I have not been living to the standard of, and it wasn't like in a condemnation way. It was like, I haven't been living in a way worthy enough of how good God is Mm. and how good he is to me. Wow. And literally from there, that anxiety that I had, it stopped. Mm. It was like I had no more anxiety. I had no more depression. I had joy again. All in that moment, it was just mind-blowing. It was like I was blind, now I could see. I was dead, now I'm alive. And even to the point where, you know, the next day I tried to take one of the medication they prescribed me, and I felt like it done the opposite. It, like, Mm. worked against me. And I was like... Which I was going to say, that's so crazy. It's like, you know, you're always chasing, you know, this high, and you've tried all these medications. You're in this dark spot and there's medications everywhere and here you have this encounter with God and it brings you more peace and stability and clarity Mm. than 
any of the medications when that's what you were looking for. Mentally, emotionally, Which medications in the right, you know. They have their they, way. They have, they have their yeah. lane, their purpose. Medication is, is good for, for people like that need it, that have a specific reason and a season. And God does miracles throughout so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them, like I think about my addiction was healed in a moment. Some people have to work the steps over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's this carried out process. Some miracles are in a moment. Some miracles, it takes a lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, God sometimes heals mental health right here and there. Sometimes he uses the medication. Mm -hmm. You know, I just happened to have this experience where... You felt the love of God. I felt the love of God so clearly. You know what I just thought about? And I don't know if this is the episode for it, but it was after that, that you had the power within you to take care of your dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you you had felt that true and you kind of identified with your dad because mm-hmm. you you were like, you know, I I could very well be him. Yeah. Like it, it I am like that is I'm close to being him. And I I just, you know, I always tend to the truth is God is always up to something. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times we just don't look to see what God is doing in in every moment. And I have, you know, our life we've gotten to see God do so many things that we're like, we kind of have that perspective in life. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, my dad just popped up out of nowhere. Clearly, God, you're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. So let me lean into it, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So I come out of this season and end up getting power of attorney over my father, who, and mm-hmm. I'd seen him more in that month when I got back than I see him in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I get the opportunity to take care of him and get him into a nursing home now. And really get him some proper care. But you had like you've had like a joy uh, about it. Like you, you, um, your ability to take care of him in this season has impressed me mm-hmm. because for oh, so, for so long he never took care of you. Yeah. And so it's amazing how only the power of God within you could bring you to that radical mm-hmm. of a place where. You know, you're you're like, oh my gosh, what are the drinks that he likes? Uh, insure. Insure. You're like, oh, he's out of insure. Oh my gosh, I need to go bring him another. He thinks he owns insure. I need to bring him another box. I got him a mini fridge, and I keep that sucker stocked with insure. But just like, you know, this is a man that never took care of you. But it's like I see the opportunity that God has given me to get to spend some time with my dad. Even though he's not really there, it's like, God, I see I, that you love me so much that you want to make sure that my heart is pure when it comes to my dad. Mm. That you would give me the opportunity to serve him just to make sure there's no more callousness, there's no more grudge, there's no more unforgiveness. <laughs> you know? He did have to change his diaper. I did. You know, I went from literally never seeing my dad, <laughs> never having a relationship with my dad. To having to change his diaper. And, you know, I just went in to try to help him change his pants. And he said, no, I got to need to change my diaper, too. It's dirty. And I, like, literally had to stick that sucker between his legs and pull it around and do the whole thing. It was a lot. It was a lot. Saw his little skinny butt and everything. Saw more of my dad. Got to know him more than I ever wanted to. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, I just love that, you know... I feel like in a lot of these episodes, you've said the words, because I didn't have a dad. Mm -hmm. And that that explains why 
you know, you, you did, you know, certain things or didn't have certain things. But then here you are, you have this encounter with God. And then the man that was never there yeah. is now under your care. Yeah. You are his power of attorney, and you have done it with the most integrity. Like you've, are you crying? Hey, you're so sweet. <laughs> well, you, oh, yeah, she tell me these things all, all the time. <laughs> well, I thought, I mean, I keep think going, I, keep going. I think I'm I love pretty it. sweet. No. But I, you, like, you, it's like, you know, somebody in your shoes having that kind of power over the person that was never there for them, mm-hmm. you know, that there's temptation in there to get. Uh, yeah, even that was a process. Like when I remember when I first signed power of attorney, I said, I'm going to do this to swap his insurances so he can get long term care. And literally the words that I used was so that at least that he would have a roof over his head while he rots. Mm. And I watched myself go from that to being like, it's been a week I haven't seen him. I need to get over there and visit <laughs> I need visit to go him. buy him some clothes. Even though every time I go see him, he just says the same thing over and over yeah. again. But it's really sweet. And I just love that it came out of this moment with God where you experience the love of a, your heavenly father in a tangible, mm-hmm. real way. And then it translated into you being able to forgive your dad, take care of your dad and all yeah. this stuff. And I think about even, you know, I don't know, like if I would have been blowing and going, preaching and teaching and on the top of my game, I don't know if I honestly would have slowed down enough to really get to care for him. Mm. But it was because I was in my darkest that I identified. And I guess for it being understanding how strong mental health is, Mm -hmm. like after I experienced that, I don't know how I could ever... You know, and getting to see him in the mental state he's in, I could never be mad at that. Mm-hmm. Like, because I understand what it's like to feel trapped within a wow. body and a mind that you don't wow. want to be trapped wow. in. And you're making decisions. Here I am. I love my wife with all my heart. I love my children. They are the joy of my life. And I was ready to end my life right then and there, mm-hmm. despite how much I loved you guys. And I guess that really helped me empathize with his addiction and where he is. You know, I don't know. It's just God, honestly. It's, I don't know what else, how to, to put it, you know. Wow. It's been a journey. Been a journey. What a beautiful story. I'm excited about 24, though. It was beautiful, yeah. but I'm excited it is over. <laughs> Wait, here's to 2024. Let's believe that it's going to be more peaceful than ever, more joy than and ever. And I do believe that. I believe that God, like almost symbolically, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, I feel like our life is coming out from underneath that rock, coming out mm. of that cave, you know, with this podcast. You know, there's so many dreams that have been in our hearts or in my heart that I feel like God is like, all right, it's time to make moves on now. Mm. It's time to get stepping. It's time to get moving. You know, it's time to come out from this small space that you've been in wow. and see all that I have for you. Wow. So He's I'm excited. So good. Happy I get to see it next to you. Oh, you know, God really is so good. He as is. cliche as it sounds. It's he's he so is. good. And, you know, the heart behind this podcast is really just to show how good he is. Yeah, that's it. We just want to let people know, you know, despite where you might be right mm-hmm. now, God is still good. There's mm-hmm. still hope. 
You know, I think about that verse, you know, he says three things remain. Do you know what the three things are? I know love and hope is one I of them. I feel like you're putting me on the spot in like a Bible <laughs> trivia. But like, I just think about hope, like foundation and hope is so mm. important. Like I lost my mind. I almost lost hope. There mm. was still a sliver of hope to hold on to. Mm. And we just pray and hope that hope. We just pray and believe that maybe you find yourself in a place where you just need a sliver of hope. And we mm. want this story to be your hope. We yes. want you to find hope in this story in that every Jesus story. can still intervene, that he yeah. can still do things in your situation. That's so good. Wow. What a great episode. <laughs> but hey, uh, as we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in today. Make yeah. sure you subscribe. Follow this channel. Share it. Share, Share this video. it with somebody. We, we want um, more people to hear about the love of God. And so, like we always say on this podcast, this is Chris's favorite part, by the way. <laughs> Life can be tough, but God, God is, is still, still so good. good.